Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a couple of spots, one in Matthew chapter 4 and the other in Hebrews chapter 11. We are starting a new series today that I'm really excited about, and it's called The Ultimate. And I want us to kick off today's study by just addressing the YOLO mentality. If you're not familiar with that, Y-O-L-O, right? You only live once mentality. Right? And the idea is, is that every man has limited time and one life, and he should take advantage of every opportunity that's presented to him. Right? Now, what I want to say about the YOLO mentality is that it cuts in two different directions. One man will take the brevity of life and give himself permission right, to live for the here and now and throw off self-restraint right, and satisfy his appetites, right? I mean, the feelings of the now take over his mind and his body. And a lot of times, YOLO leads to unhealthy behaviors as we just engage the moment, satisfy our appetite in the moment. Why? Because we only live once. That's one direction. And you'll hear that out in culture as a heart cry to just go do something that might not be so good for yourself, all right? That's one direction. Another man's thoughts will go toward eternity and accountability to God, and he will choose a completely opposite direction than the first guy I talked about, right? There is also a healthy pressure of a future moment not an immediate moment, before God. And he's thinking about his eternal destiny. And those thoughts about that future moment before God and his eternal destiny, that takes over. And the idea that he has limited time, an unknown ending, and a future meeting with God, that takes over his mind and body. So here's the good news. The Bible agrees with the YOLO mentality. It does not agree that we focus on the immediate satisfaction of whatever our appetites are in the moment and serve ourselves and serve our appetites and, and serve our feelings and satisfy them. Uh, it actually encourages you to think about the future and think about the ultimate. You see, one perspective fixes their eyes on what is seen. The other perspective focuses on what is unseen, right? One man will decide to live in the moment. The other man lives for the ultimate. And God's word advises God's man to live in light of the reality, right? That you do only have one life, but to say yes to ultimate purposes, ones that are connected to the reality that you're made by God, you're made for God, and one day you're going to God. Live for the ultimate. Say yes to that, but say no to the immediate and the pull and the pressure of the flesh and a godless culture. And we're going to see today how this battle, immediate versus ultimate, looks and feels by watching Jesus himself duke it out. And then we're going to see how greatness 
as a man of God, as a man of faith, involves a daily ultimate mindset and approach to living. And that's why I had you hold a spot in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to spend some time there. But let's first start by seeing Jesus battle as a man to choose God. Let's see the ultimate spiritual fight. Let's see the strategies involved. Let's see who comes out on top. So open up that Bible to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And I want you to pay attention to this spiritual battle because this spiritual battle is your spiritual battle right now, today, right after we leave this study or wherever you are, you're going to be in it. So let's pay attention. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of Man, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So, did you see this, this battle? This, this battle over meet your immediate earthly, worldly need versus serve the ultimate purpose for which you were created and serve the purposes of God. And I want to unpack a little bit about this battle and the dynamics of it so that, that we can see very clearly uh, this topic of living for the ultimate. Let's start with Satan's goal versus Jesus's goal. Satan's goal in this exchange is for Jesus to live for the immediate, okay? Jesus's goal is to live for the ultimate, okay? And, and I, I want you to see that compare and that contrast. Satan's goal is, hey, Jesus, give into your physical appetites, all right? Give into give give into materialism, all right. Give into pride, all right. Uh, give into hedonism, all right. Self gratification, self protection, right. Self importance, right. And he didn't, right. What did he do? He lived for the ultimate. But how? When you see in this exchange, Jesus come out on top with Satan, and not allow Satan to achieve his goal, but for Jesus to achieve his, which is to live for the ultimate, right? How does he do that? Well, two keys in there. One is, is that we see right out the box that Jesus was led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness. There's your first kind of key in this battle of under pressure, right, from evil or your flesh or the world. Are you going to choose the immediate or choose the ultimate? Be filled with the Spirit. Secondly, we see that he had the Word of God available in his mind and in his heart and coming out of his mouth, all right? So that's the first kind of scenario, Satan's goal versus Jesus's goal. Now, let's look at Satan's way versus Jesus's way, all right? Satan's way of getting us to live for the immediate, all right, is rely on your eyes and your impulses, all right? Act, don't think, all right? Jesus's way is rely on your mind and God's truth, and that is not act, don't think, it's think before you act. Think about God, think about what God says. Think, think about what he desires, all right? Think about that, all right? And think about his truth. And this is really, this little battle right here uh, really points our, the way to success in spiritual warfare against Satan himself today in your life. So be filled with the spirit, have God's word, and just know that his goal is for you to just rely on your eyes and impulses. And God's goal is for your mind and spirit to have more authority over your body. Whatever it is in your life where your body, okay, act, don't think. Your body's first, your brain is second. Whatever area of your life where your body's first and your brain is second, that thing to you is sin, right? Could be anger, right? Outbursts of anger. Could be porn, lust, fantasy. Could be sex, all right? Where your body's in control, not your mind. Your body actually has more authority than your mind. You can't say no. Could be food. Could be a substance, all right? Could be workaholism, all right? Where your body is in charge and it's taking you uh, forward into something that harms your relationship with God and harms your relationships with people. It takes you into sin. And what we see in Jesus is that he doesn't act first, right? He thinks first. He thinks about who he is. He thinks about what God thinks. And then he speaks what God thinks. There's, a, there's your key right there, all right, for the winning of spiritual battle. Now, let's look at... Uh, What's a win for Satan and what's a win for Jesus? Satan's win is get the son of man to choose self, right? Those three suggestions all involve self, self-gratification, self-importance, and self-preservation, right? And that's Satan's goal right now in your life, to get you to choose self. Jesus's win is to reject the lie of the devil and choose God, right? That's his win. Whenever you're saying no to yourself to say yes to God, win, all right? No to your impulse to, to, to please God and honor God, win, right? No to lusting after something on your computer screen or some gal running down the street. No to that, yes to God, right? And yes to your family and yes to your wife, and yes to another focus, all right? But you gotta see how the spiritual battle lines up. For Satan, it's about the immediate, it's about your impulses, it's about you choosing self, all right? If you're, the man of, if you're a man of God, 
our model is Jesus, we choose the ultimate. We choose God and his purposes. We choose God's truth and to speak it. We choose to reject Satan and speak God's truth. So I wanted you to see that this whole issue of living life, having a choice between the immediate versus the ultimate is not only a real thing, it is a spiritual battle, right? Now, Jesus modeled for us how to prioritize the ultimate over the immediate. And when he wasn't duking it out with Satan, because the Bible does say Satan returned and they had this happen again. It's just not recorded. It's recorded in uh, in, in Luke chapter 4 as well. But this, this occurred multiple times. Satan would return and they'd get into it again. But when he wasn't doing that on a personal level, he taught his followers to focus on the ultimate. And we read about that in Matthew chapter 6, just a couple chapters ahead. Listen to Jesus uh, talk about focusing not on the immediate, but on the ultimate. He says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I want to highlight out of this passage, you know, Jesus really comparing and contrasting the immediate energy we can put toward the things of earth and our appetites and the now versus the contrast to, no, don't put it there, put it on heaven and God and the future. So there's some, there's some key words that I, I, I want to pull out of here. And if you're taking notes, maybe you can write these down in the margin. And the key words are treasures, thieves, eyes, and masters, all right? Jesus starts off talking about, hey, don't store up treasures, right? That there's something to be gained, right? All right, there's something to be gained in the immediate, and there's something to be gained in the ultimate, right? The immediate gain are the treasures of earth, right? The ultimate gain are treasures in heaven. And of course, Jesus is saying, hey, play the long game. You're going to regret putting all your energy into the treasures of earth. You will never regret storing up treasure in heaven and living for the ultimate. Then there's thieves. All right, so we move from treasures and gain to thieves, and that has to do with loss, right? Where if we invest in the treasures of earth and the things of earth, and we put all our energy, right, into power or possession or pleasure or self-importance, right, and our focus is 
all of our choices are, are earth-centric, right? We're not investing in heaven at all, right? There is going to be an experience of loss. You lose that. That dies with you. It stays here. But Jesus is saying, don't, don't make choices on earth that die with you. Make choices on earth that go with you. Did you hear that? Don't make choices on earth that die with you. Make choices on earth that go with you, right? Make eternal choices. Choose to love God. Choose to love people. Choose to serve God, right? Choose to redeem the time. Choose to get connected to God's people. Choose to reach out to people who aren't believers and love them and serve them. And when God opens the door, share the love of God and your testimony with them, right? That goes with you. So that's the second theme. We got treasures, right? That's gain, immediate versus ultimate. Then there's thieves, right? And that's about loss, right? Things can die with you or things can go with you. Then there's eyes, all right? And Jesus talking about how the eye is the lamp of the body. He's just talking about focus, right? And if your focus, all right, is healthy or full of light, right? Full of God, right? Full of God's purposes, all right? God is light, the Bible says. If your focus is God and the things of light, the things of God, right? Your whole body is going to be full of light. You see that picture of fullness? Full power, right? Focuses on God, focuses on the things of God, focuses on the purposes of God, focuses on my identity in God. I'm at full power. And then he transitions and he says, but if, you're, if your eyes are unhealthy, if you're focused on darkness, even just a little bit, it pollutes all that light. And he says, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And what Jesus is talking about, and he talks about this again in um, Luke 11. But what he's talking about there is if you are a person of light, but you, uh, but you are blending dark behaviors in your behaviors of light, if you're trying to blend the immediate with the ultimate, that's even worse than going full darkness because that's where you know what's right and you know what you're doing is wrong, and that is the place of ministry. How great is that darkness, all right? It's not I'm in darkness and I'm doing dark things. It's I'm a person of light and I'm, and I'm actually participating in the light, but then I, I'm participating in the dark. And I just want to speak to some of you men out there. I know you're out there because if you're anything like me, you can compartmentalize little parts of your life for a little darkness. And that's what this is addressing. You're letting a little unhealth mix in and pollute with some things that are healthy and full of light and church. And, and Jesus is saying, that's even darker than if you were going all out for the darkness because you're bringing in darkness into a place and a relationship of light with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, stop it. Stop that. Let's, let's get all the way into the light and let's, let's be healthy. And then let's go to the last topic. Um, there's treasures, thieves, eyes, and then there's masters. And 
that has to do with loyalty. And again, you can't blend loyalty to the immediate with loyalty to the ultimate. And money is an object that reflects the immediate, right? Where it's a pursuit, materialism is a way to be and believe and, and behave. You can become a materialist. It's just something that Jesus chose that, that robs our loyalty, right? And, and takes it from God and puts it into earth. And Jesus is just saying, you know, you can't serve two masters. You can't have two gods. You can't have two identities. Either your identity is in God and that commands your energy and you serve God, or your God is money and that commands your energy and you're all into that. Now, and what, what am I saying? I'm not saying it's bad to make money. Make money, all right? If you're gifted to do that, right? Make as much money as possible and then be generous with your money and be generous like God. But what he is saying is that if that's the controlling influence in your life at the expense of God, right? That means that your loyalties are into the immediate, trying to blend them with the ultimate, doesn't work. Jesus is saying, go all in for the ultimate, all right? Treasures, thieves, eyes, and master. So there's our backdrop to where we wanna go next, which is, to look at kind of the common denominators in what I call, what the Bible calls, the Hall of Faith. So you guys are all familiar with guys who get inducted to Halls of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, and they they got stats, all right? They have, they have uh, records that they've sold, batting averages they've kept, touchdowns they've scored, passes they've made, you know, number of games they've played and with excellence. You you play with excellence, you get into the Hall of Fame. Now, in the Bible, in Hebrews 11, these folks got stats, all right? And I wanna see, I want you to see what the common denominator is and just listen as the Bible talks about all these people, just listen to what their, their statistical analysis, all right? that the Bible gives for them that put them into the hall of faith, all right? Hebrews 11, we're gonna look at a first passage in 13 to 16, then 24 to 27. All right, 13 to 16. All these people, all the people in the hall of faith, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed, welcomed them from a distance, admitting, that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And now let's look at an example. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt 
because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So in those passages from Hebrews 11, what we observe are kind of the character and the conduct and the mentality of people who have made it into the hall of faith. And the reason that God puts them in there is that they're ordinary people, all right? They're ordinary people who lived on earth during a season of time in a cultural context, in a set of relationships, and they, and they decided that they were going to live for the ultimate, not the immediate. So let's unpack what living for the ultimate involves from Hebrews 11, all right? The first thing that living for the ultimate involves is moments creating decisions, right? They made some critical decisions, right? And every man and woman that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they decided to not choose self, not choose self-protection or self-importance or self-gratification, the immediate, but instead they chose the, the ultimate. And because they chose the ultimate, they chose, you know, their, this was a, this was a pass through. This was, I'm here for a purpose and then I'm going home. They chose, they got inducted to the hall of faith. So first thing living for the ultimate involves is moments creating decisions. Every day you live, you have opportunities to choose the immediate yourself versus the ultimate. And usually it's at the intersection of relationships. That's where we live out God's purposes. In the context of relationships, where we say no to ourselves and we say yes to other people. Or when we give up instead of take up, right? We give up the things of earth, whether that's time, talents, treasures, right? that we could invest in ourselves, and we give them up for heaven's purposes, all right? So God's gonna give you moments today, moments tomorrow, moments this week, where you get to decide to live for the ultimate versus the immediate. The second thing that we see then is beliefs driving behaviors, all right? Everyone in Hebrews chapter 11 knew that earth was preparation for eternity, you know, to quote that famous theologian, Maximus, right? Um, what we do in this life echoes into eternity. That's biblical, right? Earth, the Bible teaches, is preparation for eternity. It's where we get to create our, our eternity by uh, what we do on earth. And they believed that. So the question now is, do you believe that? Do you believe it when Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know You're going to be like Moses, where he saw the invisible. He didn't attach to the visible, all right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you die, all of your choices for God that you made on earth get to go with you? All the choices you made for yourself die with you. If you believe that, then you will start living the ultimate life. And in Hebrews 11, the key belief was earth isn't it, all right? And when you know that, hey, this isn't the end game, 
then you don't invest energy in it. The next thing that we see, moments creating decisions, beliefs driving behaviors, is we see identity commanding energy. And that's where we move to the example of Moses, where you see that line that says, Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, you gotta, you gotta unpack that just a bit because that was a huge choice. If he decided that he would be adopted into that family and that he would be known for his whole life, unlimited power, unlimited possessions, unlimited pleasures, he could indulge in anything he wanted, he wouldn't have to worry about impressing people that came with being a part of that family, and he would increase his visibility and his resources for the rest of his life. So that moment that he made that decision, his beliefs that produced that behavior about his identity, where he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that commanded his energy. He decided, you know what? I'm gonna be with my people. I'm gonna be with the people of God. There are some of you listening to this where you like being in both camps, all right? You like kind of your identity and your work world. That's your primary. You like your material identity. You like this, but you also like identifying with God's people, all right? That that's kind of a, that's part of an accessory to your identity. And God's going, no, I want you all in. You got to surrender all of that and go all in and be known as a man of God. Be known as a Christian. Be known as a follower of Christ. Be known as a lover and follower of Jesus. And to cross the line of commitment into that and then let the other chips fall where they may. Just like Moses did. That's why it's in the Bible. We have to identify that we're citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven who are on a camping trip on earth who don't invest in putting a couch and a plasma screen in a tent. Everything that we have is just temporary accessories so that we can do our mission for God and live out our life for God on earth. Then that all goes back in the box. And then the decisions that we make on earth for God and for people, right? They all go with us, all right? And that leads us to our last dynamic that we see in Hebrews 11. We see risk producing reward. We see risk producing reward. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Moses was seeing the invisible and he was looking ahead to his reward, right? Now, that, that moment that, that where he is with God, he's making choices that he's, he's losing earth, losing the immediate to gain the ultimate, he knows that moment is coming. Now, Moses knew that moment was coming. The question is, do you know that moment is coming, right? Talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and, and the key is knowing. If you really know it, that moment is coming where you, when you've risked on earth for loving God and people, that that's going to be rewarded. If you know it, that changes things. Listen to the scriptures talk in 2 Corinthians 4. It says this, since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know 
that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus, listen, and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though in outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, listen, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. All right? Now there's our payoff. There's our reward. There is what's coming. That's reality. If you know Jesus, if you have received his person and work for yourself by faith, and you've asked Christ to come into your life, and you've received what he did for you on the cross to have your sins forgiven and to find your purpose for a living, then this is the truest thing about you. And it should drive your identity. It should drive your behavior right now. It should get you and me and every man who names the name of Jesus on planet Earth investing not in the immediate, but in the ultimate. Why? Because we are going to be presented to Jesus himself. And even though some parts of our lives we lose things when we choose Christ, we lose earth to gain heaven, the Bible says when you say no to the immediate and yes to the ultimate, right? no to self, yes to God, no to self, yes to loving people, this is what the Bible says is happening. You are achieving for yourself an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then I love that last line. So if you know that, we fix right? Get that in your head. Like we lock in. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is a great ultimate versus immediate passage, all right? And the key words is right below that passage. Because we know, all right? Write this down. We battle for the ultimate moment. It's worth it. No regrets. When you live for the immediate and then you land in the ultimate, you are going to be filled with regret. But if you live on earth and you choose the ultimate while you're on earth, less regret. I'm not saying you live perfectly or I live perfectly or that there will be zero regrets when I stand before Jesus. I'm sure there are many moments in my life where I have chosen the immediate. I've chosen myself. I've chosen my impulses, all right? But for the, 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 the better part or for the majority of my life, the battle that I fought was, nope, I'm going to choose the ultimate, right? And if you know that this is a coming moment, man, just let me tell you, man of God, the battle for that ultimate moment 
that ultimate hope, that blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that moment and living for that moment, your strongest moment, your strongest hope should fuel your strongest discipline right now, right? And how does that look? Well, it talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all right? So on your downloaded notes, you look at this last verse in our, our study, part one of the ultimate. I want you to read this with me wherever you are. If you have the downloaded notes, I want us to speak this together. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a manifesto. It's a, it's, a, it's a constitution. It's a mindset, all right? Ready? So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You know, that's why we're doing this series. We're doing this series called The Ultimate because that's going to happen. And because that's going to happen, did you see the action step? We make it our goal to please him while we are in the body. So from this moment to when we get to that moment, all right, what's the goal? We're going to please the Lord. We're going to please the Lord. All right, so some of you are watching and you're like, I want that. I want that. All right, so identify what is unpleasing to the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord, what expresses love for God, what, it, what expresses love for people. Find out what pleases the Lord and do that. And start living for the ultimate. There are some of you who, there's just certain areas of your life where that's gonna die with you, right? And you need to look in God's word and you need to go, you know what? I have enough, right? Maybe I need to be more generous. Or, you know, I talk about myself too much. Maybe I need to be more generous with my words and be more of an encourager, right? Those words go with you. Those investments go with you, right? Maybe there's somebody that you need to help. Maybe there's an action that you need to take. Maybe there's an action you need to stop, right? And that reflects living for the ultimate versus the immediate. I know that there are men watching this right now where you're in the middle of divorce proceedings and it's nasty, all right? The Lord's just helping me see you right now. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, don't live for the immediate. No matter how good it looks, no matter all the feelings and experiences under the bridge that have flowed by, that are in the rear view, and you've committed to this direction, don't do it. Fight with every last fiber to preserve your covenant union. There are some of you, you're fighting the immediate impulse of your body. Your body has more authority than your mind, and you're a slave to pornography and lust and fantasy, all right? And you need to tell somebody, and you need to become accountable. And maybe you need to get into some type of program. Highly recommend, if this is you, call the, the folks at, at New Life. Call the Everyman's Battle Program. Help start that program. It's amazing, and it will help you get free. Choose the ultimate. Some of you are, comp are just piling up material things, and God wants to say to you, you know what? You got enough. 
You don't need a third car. You don't need a fifth plasma screen. You don't need, you know, something else. Why don't you invest not in the immediate, and that all goes back in the box. How about investing in the ultimate? Find some missionary to encourage. Give to a project at your church. Support a single mom. Bless someone else. You don't even have to tell them it's you. But invest in the ultimate so that the resources and gifts that God has given you, they don't die with you. I know that there, that there are men watching right now. And because you've lived for the immediate, you're, you're experiencing the consequences and pain and loss of that. Guess what? It's not too late. It's not too late. We're going to pray in a second. And we're all going to pray together. Right? We're going to do this as a community of thousands of guys that are watching right now and that will watch in the days to come, right? where we're going, to, we're going to together pray to live for the ultimate, just like Jesus did, and to win those battles on a daily basis. So if you're ready, man of God, to live for the ultimate versus the immediate, I want you to bow your head with me right now, and I want you to pray. Jesus, thank you for your example. Thank you for battling it out to fulfill your mission on earth. You were the perfect sacrifice for sin because you did not give in to sin or self or Satan. And Lord, we're we're not like you. You lived a perfect life on earth, but you're the man we want to be. And so Jesus, we're going to ask you right now, to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Even as you were led by the Spirit into the wilderness and into that battle, fill us with the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, fill me. Say that. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, control me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Fall on me. And then, Jesus, we ask that we would be men of your word. Lord, there are many men listening. They don't have your word on their lips for their temptations. And God, for all of us, make us men of the word. Make us men skilled with the sword of the Spirit. Help us to repent and stop being self-sufficient and start being God-dependent. Help us to be the branch that receives life from the vine, oh God, so that we can be like you. And your word is life. Where else can we go? For only you, Jesus, have words of life. And as we're filled with the Spirit today, and as we're going to get filled with your word, Lord, then help us to walk in the Spirit and speak your word. God, I pray for the millions of men on planet Earth that name your name, that they would walk in the Spirit and speak your word. In, in the little and small spaces of their lives where the devil is telling them they need to live for the immediate. God, fill them with power. Give them your word. Help them speak your word. Lord, help us to speak your promises and your direction, just like you did, and resist the devil and he will flee us. God, I pray for moments and decisions coming. I pray that our eyes would be on the Father. I pray that our eyes would be on the future. I pray that our eyes of faith would be on heaven, the ultimate 
moment because we're going to appear before you. And in that moment, God, right now, I declare joy, not de- not regret. I, de- I declare closeness, not distance. I declare eternal intimacy, not regret. So God, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for speaking through your word. Help us to live the ultimate life fixed on you, Jesus. And it's in your mighty, mighty name that we pray. And God's men said, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, all right, this is what I want you to do. The Lord's speaking right now. You need to tell one other guy the decision that you made. doesn't matter if you made a decision to invite Christ into your life or you made a decision that you're going to now risk more for the ultimate and less for the immediate. You tell someone your decision, ask them to hold you accountable, give them permission to ask you, and then follow through. God is speaking right now to thousands of guys. You gotta follow through, fellas, and then watch what happens. Watch how the kingdom of God opens up. All right, this is just session one. Make sure you come back next week for session two. We'll see you then. God bless you.